Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you start at ExpressPros.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up to you on a Monday? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Phone number 877-99 on Fox. That's 877-996-6369. Welcome in. What a boring sports Saturday we had, right? Just a horrendous sports Saturday. Uh, I know there is UFC late at night. I know there is NHL hockey. But because of the jumbling of the schedules where the Western Conference Finals starts before the Eastern Conference Semifinals ends, we had this lull after a great game on Friday night, which, of course, the conclusion of that series is tonight. We'll get to that. John Wall, game winner, and uh, all these uh, D.C. media guys are all bent out of shape over something Colin said seven years ago. Like, you said something mean seven years ago, and we're still mad. We'll get to whether or not that has anything to do with Colin pointing out John Wall's lack of overall national, even local popularity. We'll get to that upcoming. Plus, a preview of Wiz Celtics Game 7 to decide who's going to lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Which one of you guys wants to lose to the Cavaliers more? You? You? Speaking of losing, the San Antonio Spurs lost 113-111. to 111. But the story is so much more interesting than just the fact that they had a big lead, 
that they were up, what, 62 to, what was it, 62 to 42 at the half. They're up 20 at the half, up 25 in the second half, and lose. Steph has 18 in the third quarter, 40 for the game. KD carries him down the stretch, and the Warriors win. Like, if you just go and pop in and check out the box scores, you're like, yeah, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, everybody knew the Warriors were going to make a run. What you didn't know was that first David Lee would take out Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi hits a jump shot, back pedals into the bench, steps on David Lee, his teammate's foot. And then Jaja Pachulia would complete the task and sweep the leg on Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, to, to just point out how, how he was smoking, 26 points in 24 minutes on 13 shots and a plus 21 in plus minus. He was on fire. He was unguardable. He was a very tough matchup. He is, of course, the best player for the San Antonio Spurs. And just like everybody seemed to point out that when they beat the Houston Rockets last Thursday night and did so by 39 points, like, we could point out that Kawhi didn't play, but that game was all about the 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 MIA of, of James Harden. This game was all about just how good Kawhi is, how much he means to this team, and how devastating not just the loss is, but the loss in this fashion and losing him and the potential of losing him for game two is. There's a bunch to get to. Uh, first, I thought this was interesting. Here's Manu Ginobili after the game. And Manu, we told you last week, just like all old dudes, right? He ain't as good as he once was, but he's as good once as he ever was. Yesterday, he was as good as he ever was. 17 points, hit some threes, got some block shots, but couldn't make plays down the stretch without Kawhi Leonard. Here's Manu on how devastating it was. Uh, it's very hard to react from a game like this. I was just saying in Spanish that I always prefer to lose by 20 a game like this, in which case... The home team relaxes a little bit, feels good about themselves, and we are hurt, we are angry, and the opposite happened. We played a, an outstanding game for, well, for half, and then they, they came back, they overplayed us, they, they, they were more aggressive, they made more shots. So it's, it's a tough one. Besides, if it wasn't bad enough, we lost our best player. Yeah. Outside of that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the show, right? We don't have Tony Parker. We're up 25 points. We badly outplay them. They come back and pressure us, and we succumb to the pressure. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Kawhi Leonard, who was smoking hot, playing a great game, gets hurt. We lose him for the rest of that game, lose the game, and potentially lose him for game two. That's a great set. And, and he's... That's the old, is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? And clearly, Mono is the never to have loved at all. The, the most interesting commentary is that of Greg Popovich. Let me tell you what I love about Greg Popovich. When he speaks, I don't agree with everything he says, but I think he's thoughtful. I think he's opinionated. I think he's unafraid. I think he's reached the NBA version of the Spurrier zone. Do you guys know what the Spurrier zone is? The Spurrier zone is an offshoot of the Tyson zone. The Tyson zone was... I think Bill Simmons coined that. The Tyson zone was, there's no story about Mike Tyson that you wouldn't believe. Right? You're like, Mike Tyson mauled the bear. You're like, okay, I can see that. Like, Mike Tyson just drank a snake's blood and then pounded down with like three shots. Like, I could see that. There's no story about Mike Tyson you wouldn't believe. That's the Tyson zone. The Spurrier zone is, once you've gotten to a point in your career as a coach, to where you're so well respected that you can say, Whatever you want, whenever you want, you just kind of let your nuts hang, right? You're just like Steve Spurrier. Remember one year, he's like, well, you don't play, ain't playing Georgia early year. That's too bad because, you know, they always have a couple guys suspended to start the season. 
And he was right. But, like, no coach ever says that except Spurrier. Why? Because Spurrier won at Florida. Spurrier won at Duke. He won a Heisman Trophy. He won a national championship. And then he got South Carolina to Atlanta, which is like winning a national championship elsewhere. That's the Spurrier zone. Where you can say kind of whatever you really feel because at the end of the day, he's got rings, he's got equity, and you don't. Pop is in that. Here's the problem I have with Pop. He always wants to speak his mind, except when a sideline reporter asks him a question. Like Doris Burke is, she's an analyst playing the role of a sideline reporter. She's as good a sideline reporter as there is in the sport because she knows the right questions to ask. And even she was like, ask one question, got a one-word answer. I'm moving on to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. So I, I, I hate the fake tough guy. I'm going to intimidate everybody. I don't want to do this sideline thing, even though they tell me I have to do it. I want to talk when I want to talk. But when I want to talk, everybody's got to listen. On the other hand, Pop does say some things to which when he uh, uses his First Amendment rights, he says exactly what's on his mind when it's on his mind. Here is Greg Popovich earlier today talking about Jaja Pachulia, who's the starting center for the Golden State Warriors, spraining the ankle of Kawhi Leonard. The play where he took Kawhi down and locked his arm in Dallas and could have broken his arm. Ask David West, his current teammate, how things went when Jaja was playing for Dallas and he and David got into it. And then think about the history he's had and what that means to a team, what happened last night. A totally unnatural closeout that the league has outlawed years ago and pays great attention to it. And Kawhi's not there. And you want to know how we feel about it. You want to know if that lessens our chances or not. We're playing very possibly the best team in the league. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in the East. 9.75 people out of 10 would figure the Warriors will beat the Spurs. Well, we've had a pretty damn good season. We've played fairly well in the playoffs. I think we're getting better. And we're up 23 points in the third quarter against Golden State. And Kawhi goes down like that. And you want to know if our chances are less and you want to know how we feel. That's how we feel. I think we know how Greg Popovich feels, right? Not shy with it. He's in the Spurrier zone. He can say whatever he wants as soon as it's on his mind. He went on an anti-Trump diatribe before the game. He goes on an anti-Jasha Pachulia diatribe after the game today. And he's right. It's one of those things in sports to which we kind of sometimes cut out the wrong things. Like, uh, Draymond Green got a technical foul yesterday for talking trash, for woofing, if you will. And uh, he got his money's worth afterwards, but he shouldn't have gotten the initial technical foul. Like, that's not a technical foul, and yet that that's a technical foul, and yet Jaja Pachulia, that's a, a foul. Like, that should be an ejection. And I love the fact that Popovich brought up later brought up manslaughter, right? They're like, oh, did he mean to do it? Pop said this. If he would have played and they'd have ended up winning... I go get dinner, have a glass of wine, wake up the next day, go to practice, and move on. But this is crap. And because he's got this history, it can't just be, oh, it was inadvertent. He he didn't have intent. Who gives a damn about what his intent was? You ever hear of manslaughter? You still go to jail, (laughs) I think, when you're texting and you end up killing somebody. But you might not have intended to do that. All I care is what I saw. All I care about is what what happened. And the history there exacerbates the whole situation and makes me very, very angry. Look, I, I think there's a there's a point to be made for Jaja in that there's a certain Matthew Della Vadova 
uh, to his style, a certain Bruce Bowen even to his style, in which when you're not as athletically gifted as so many of these guys, that and you're you're playing hard, you can play what I call playing too hard, right? You can close out too hard. You can't run underneath dudes. Any basketball player, especially the higher level you play, they will tell you they are more concerned about knowing where they're going to come down than the contact when they go up. Now, we're so concerned about shots to the head, we always review them. They always go review shots to the head. But all guys care about is, do I know what's underneath me when I'm coming down and how I'm coming down? So there's a, there's a certain loss in translation because a lot of people who cover basketball don't actually know basketball and Twitter kind of exposes that. And frankly, yesterday, like, look, I, I'm sitting there listening to Jeff Van Gundy. And everything he's saying is what I'm thinking. Mark Jackson's saying things to which I completely disagree with. Uh, so there's different ways to look at it. But I'm fascinated by this, uh, this amount of fortune, this amount of luck that the Warriors have run upon. Like... If, the, if they end up winning a title, they end up winning two out of three and 73 wins and three NBA Finals wins in between. That's what they would have if they win a title. The story will be, this is a burgeoning dynasty, right? They revamped their bench. They brought in Kevin Durant. Everybody resigns. They're, do, they're doing so with Steve Kerr coaching in the locker room and Mike Brown coaching on the bench. Like, there's a lot of interesting parts to it. But isn't it fascinating how every team they played in their first title run had injuries, and now every team they're playing now has injuries. And this furry, cute, likable team has Draymond Green last year kicking guys in the nuts, and this year's Jaja Pachulia stepping under the best player on the Spurs. And you got Popovich in the Spurrier zone, and though the though the you would think that the outcome of the series is a foregone conclusion even before they threw it up? The fact is, if you watched that game last night, Kawhi Leonard was the one main reason that the series was not a foregone conclusion. And now it is. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Derek Jeter got uh, recognized yesterday. They retired the number two jersey, which means there's no more single-digit jerseys for the Yankees. Here's my problem with it. Do you know whose number is retired number six? Like you, you know all the, all the numbers for the Yankees, right? Music, do you know the, the numbers for the Yankees? I, I, the only, I only know <laughs> two come to mind. Obviously, Jeter, number two. Babe Ruth, number three. Uh, that, those are the only ones Billy I know. Martin's number one. Okay. Uh, Bill Barr was a great player, but he, like you're not old enough to again. Sorry, I'm not doing the I'm super old <laughs> deal, but you're not old enough to remember like he was hired and fired continually as the manager of the Yankees because George Steinbrenner was a lunatic. Like a lot of this is what you remember last. Um, people remember George Steinbrenner with Derek Jeter's era finally getting a winner, but but he was like George Steinbrenner was kicked out of baseball for a period of time for what he did to Dave Winfield. Like he was a bad guy for a long time, and he just happened to. Get lightning in a bottle. Uh, Billy Martin, one. Derek Jeter, two. Babe Ruth, three. Lou Gehrig, Iron Horse, four. Joe DiMaggio, five. Mickey Mantle is seven. Uh, Bill Dickey and Yogi Berra, both eight. Do you know who number six is? Uh, Nine, by the way, is Roger Maris. 
And Maris is, um, the Maris one is interesting because uh, Roger Maris was a seven-time All-Star, two-time AL MVP. Mo- he's most remembered for the 61 home runs, right? But he's actually a really good player. Really good player. Only in 60 and 61, and uh, 60, 61, and 62. 60, he won the gold glove. I don't believe he was nearly at the level of everybody else we mentioned. But why is Joe Torrey's number six retired? Like, If you want to tell me that Joe Torrey is one of the all-time great managers in baseball, fine. But you kind of pick out your number randomly. Like That number can be doubled up. Correct? Like there's, it's the really weird kind of uncomfortable thing of that these baseball managers have to wear uniforms and so they trot out there, but their number is completely inconsequential. So even though they only have all the single digit numbers are retired, like why is Joe Torrey's number? I'm not saying that Joe Torrey doesn't deserve some sort of honor, but honoring retiring his number when he never threw a pitch, never hit a pitch in an important game. Um, and look, he was a very good player in his own right. And people forget, like, but you know what he wasn't as a player? He wasn't a New York Yankee. So why are you retiring his number? That one's weird to me. And I know it's like it's already been done, and now you're like, oh, wait, do we have to, can we unretire that? Or can that just be retired for managers only? Like, no managers can wear six ever again. The Dodgers retired two for timeless sorta, so nobody can wear two. So it's the same theory, right? They shouldn't be retired the number two, according to you, right? Okay. Like, does anybody remember Tommy Lasorda's number two? Like, everybody remembers forty-two for the Dodgers, because yeah, forty-two there's a Jackie Robinson day, and forty-two for the Yankees will soon be retired. It's Marion Rivera, and like everybody, because the number is synonymous with the player, but the number is not synonymous with the manager. It is inconsequential with the manager. I'm not saying to not honor the manager, but to honor the manager with a retired number as if they played a game, to which most of us don't really understand why they even wear jerseys or have numbers anymore. I think only doubles down on the stupidity. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Frank Vogel, head coach of the Orlando Magic, joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, how are you? I'm good, Doug. How you doing? Good, man. Um, okay, let's let's go to yesterday. In your just in your basketball opinion, Jaja Pachulia, do you think of him as a dirty player? Uh, I do not. Was that a dirty play? Was that a dirty play that he made? Because look, you can There is a differentiation. You can make a dirty play, but not be a dirty player, right? Um, and, you know, then all of a sudden, uh, Pop kind of provided provided that kind of middle ground. Like, it doesn't really matter what his intent is. What are your thoughts on kind of the extra-long closeout where a big guy, who he, you know, like he struggled to close out, but it wasn't like he had a running start. He closes out a little bit too long and goes underneath Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I, I don't know about this. I mean, this has been debated since the end of time. Uh, and, um, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I find it hard to believe that uh, – a player would intensely try to hurt hurt another player, and you know to do it in this way is really hard to do. <laughs> you know, so I tend to think that uh, you know a guy like Zaza is just out there uh, playing as hard as he can, and um, 
and trying to contest, trying to get the best possible contest on the shot. That, that's how I tend to see it. How are the, how were I mean, like, look, I think Kawhi is great, but to be able to have that lead even without Tony Parker, as with your basketball mind being so much stronger, how were they able to to slow down? The Warriors' offense. What were they doing that that was working for them, especially the defensive end? Well, I didn't see the whole game. Um, I just know that San Antonio is the best defensive-rated team in the M- in the NBA, and obviously, Coach Pop is one of the best best ever at uh, preparing for an opponent. So they were very locked in. They play extremely hard. They make everything difficult uh, for you, and. Um, you know, to see them slow any offense down is not really surprising me. Frank Vogel joining us, head coach of the Orlando Magic, getting ready for the NBA draft lottery, which is tomorrow night. Uh, what's your What's your good luck plan? Like, did you do you have Do you have a rabbit's foot? Do you have something you're going to do? Like, you know, you're not a you're not a draft lottery expert, but at some point, it does come down <laughs> to a little bit of luck. Do, what is What is your plan for good luck tomorrow night? Well, I'm not putting a lucky rabbit's foot or anything like that. I, I like to think my my plan was, you know, for to, to create positive karma by uh, not tanking and trying to win as many games as we possible, it, possibly could down the stretch when we were eliminated already and uh, not resting guys and, and those types of things. You know, you, uh, you uh, play through the basketball guys and hopefully you get rewarded at some point. All so right. that, that's all I have in store. All <laughs> right. So when people say like you're 29, you're like, yeah, we we're 29, but we were trying to win those 29. Other people were trying to lose more games. Like you, we really were this <laughs> <laughs> I know it's your we, first, I know it's your first year, but we preached uh-huh. preach winning to the end. <laughs> what what yeah. what what was that like for you? I mean, you you like you guys were really close in Indiana to take over a team that is very much in transition. Of course, the guy who hired you as general manager, Rob Hennigan, was was relieved of his duties. But for for you, a guy who invests so much in every game, what's it like to be a part of this transition process where you are expected to lose more than you win? Well, we, um, you know, the expectation for me was to lose as much as we did this year. Um, you know, it was not to be part of a rebuild. It was to come in and hit the ground running, and uh, certainly we fell short of that. So it was a very, very challenging year uh, for me personally and for our whole organization who was ready to get over this hump and, and, and this rebuild and get our team back into the playoffs. Uh, so it was a difficult year for us. There's, there's no question about it, and you know we're glad it's behind us, and we're looking forward to uh, the new optimism that comes along with a high draft pick, and you know whatever changes we need to make going into next season. All right, these two teams tonight, Wiz and Celtics. You guys obviously have seen a ton. Wiz actually in your division, Celtics obviously in uh, in your conference. Give, give me your thoughts first on John Wall. Like we all know, he has this incredible end to end speed. Like it's it's freaky end to end speed. And then I don't know if you saw in game six, he, he had a spin move. Like, it's one thing to be going that fast, but then to have the agility to spin going that fast. Uh, what's Like, what are the keys to trying to slow John Wall down so that he doesn't get it going? Yeah, first of all, there's not many people that can perform that spin move the way he did without traveling. And he did it. <laughs> he came to a complete uh, jump stop after the spin, which was uh, just watching the slow motion was, was very remarkable. Um what a series this has been, huh? I've watched just about every game of this series, and you know it's just a you know a fascinating series to me. How competitive the teams have been, how much they don't like each other, and uh, you know for it to, to come down to a game seven is something that I'm very eager uh, to sit down on the couch tonight and take a look at. Um, John Wall, 
John Wall's really become a heck of a player, hasn't he? You know, he, uh, he struggled a little bit for the first couple of years um, being a number one overall pick, but the guys flat out figured it out. You know, we knew the talent was always there, and, you know, he's doing it in every way. You know, he's always had the end-to-end speed, but he's really uh, improved his perimeter shooting, as you saw with the game winner the other night. Uh, does it on the defensive end, and, um, you know, he, he makes them a, a very, very difficult out. So uh, the Celtics got their hands full. And then you get the Celtics side, Coach, where you have Isaiah Thomas, who I think is second in the NBA in fourth quarter scoring. Um, and they've done it some to where, you know, they'll run at, they'll just double team him, get rid of the, Why Why not just double team him every time he comes off a, a a ball screen late in the shot clock? Why not just just make somebody else handle the basketball because he's so dynamic with it? Is there is there spacing too great? I mean, it just seem again from from my my couch, it would seem he's small, so he has to somehow pass around the double team or dribble out of it, and he's the really the primary ball handler. Why not just get it out of his hands? Well, there's a lot of layers to that. It it starts with the fact that usually a five three point shooters uh, on the court, or four other three point shooters on the court who are all good playmakers and, and good players. So, you know, double-teaming the basketball near half-court or at the top of the key usually leads to an open three or, or a layup. <laughs> so that, that's where you start in terms of why you don't double them right away. Um, the, other, the other part of it is can you contain them? Is he going to split your big? Is he going to reject the screen and, and take it away from it? Um, you know, there's a lot of ways that, that he can hurt you just by attacking the double-team. You know, he's so so little and so quick. So uh, it's not just an easy answer. You see that a lot with uh, analysts saying, well, just get it, get it out of his hands. And well, it's not always uh, as easy as it sounds. Um, but certainly if you don't do it, he's going to burn you. And he's, he's proven that throughout the, these playoffs and throughout the season as well. So um, that, there's a reason they're the one seed and they've had an extremely successful season. And it's just not, a, not an easy proposition for an opposing coach. You know, you guys switched kind of midstream in Indiana where you guys tried to go to small ball. You know, when Paul George came back off injury, you played him at power forward. You tried to kind of adjust to the league, and you watch these two teams. I mean, heck, when they throw Jay Crowder out there, I mean, what, he's like six, like a six-five power forward, right? And sometimes they'll have Isaiah and Avery Bradley and, uh, and Marcus Smart or Rozier out. I mean, they have a tiny, tiny lineup. Um, is, I, I know this is the way the league is going in, by your estimation, will it end ever trend back the other way? Will we ever see uh, more use of big guys of, of the ball being thrown inside, or is this not just the present but the future, and it'll remain that way? Well, I think you'll see uh, certain teams trend that way. You know, to me, it, it revolves around um, elite talent at the big positions. You know, if you have an, an all-star level center, then you're going to play through him, and, and that's going to be what the game looks like. You're going to have that style of play. If you have an all-star level power forward, uh, same thing. But the uh, the non-all-star level guys are you know, being stretched out a little bit by, by this small ball era, and uh, speed is eating size uh, pretty much universally league-wide. And um, you know, I think you're going to see, I mean, obviously, the, the greater part of the league going with this trend. Uh, last thing, you've competed against LeBron in the playoffs before. You know, you guys have pushed them, and he uh, he found he just found a way to stick the dagger in. Yes, he's found a way to stick in the dagger in in the Celtics before. But I, I kind of feel like since last year's finals run, there's a different air about him. 
he he always seemed to he, he didn't lose his confidence as much against you guys in shooting as he did sometimes against the Spurs or another situation but sometimes he would this year it seems different is that is that is that like a confirmation by I see him make shots and I believe that or having coached against him and having watched this league you believe it to be true that winning a championship in Cleveland he's different he's more confident even in the weak parts of his game than he has been in the past yeah he definitely has a a different look about him. And as great as he has always been, I really believe, you know, watching the first two rounds of the playoffs, that this is the best I've ever seen him. And, um, you know, that's not, a, that's not a good thing for the rest of the league. <laughs> um, he just has a, a look about him, a confidence about him that, you know, he's not going to be denied, and he, he knows he can get the job done. I think the fact that they won the championship last year in Cleveland, um, you know, really – kind of took the monkey off their back uh, collectively as a team, as a city. And, um, you know, it's something that uh, I think is benefiting them this year. Well, listen, Frank, we know you got the draft lottery. And if there's ever a year to be in the draft lottery, this seems like a good one. Like, nobody wants to win 29 games, but this is a year to which there's probably a guy or two that could really help jumpstart your franchise, get people to buy more season tickets, and, of course, uh, get this thing turned around in the right way. We wish you nothing but success and can't wait to see what takes place tomorrow night and what that uh, does for you in the upcoming NBA draft. All right, Doug. Well, thanks for having me on. All right, appreciate it. Frank Vogel, that's the head coach of the Orlando Magic. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Speaking uh, to 710 ESPN in Seattle on Monday, Pete Carroll was asked if the team looked to add, add either big-name free agent quarterback Colin Kaepernick or RG3 as potential backups. That's because... Their backup quarterback, Trayvon Boykin, is one in experience and two was arrested in college at the Alamo Bowl, and then he got into trouble again here in the offseason. They got uh, Jake Heaps and Skylar Howard. Quote, we're looking at everybody we really are. We've been tracking everything that's going on, and we've got cap and roster issues and stuff like that we're trying to manage properly. But quite frankly, yes, we're looking at those guys. The Seahawks are still pondering as the Seahawks still pondering as the destination for Kaepernick this offseason as the quarterback gets the cold shoulder from the NFL after struggling the past two seasons on the field and his national anthem protests off of it. So, look, I don't know if he's going to Seattle. I know that Pete Carroll's asked the question and he took the answer, uh, the, the easy answer, like, yep, we're looking at everything, which doesn't necessarily mean they want to sign him. But it would actually make some sense. Yes, Ryan. Would you agree? I think that that's not the way you ask a question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what do you Take think? Two. Yes. Pete, do you think Pete Carroll is the type of head coach that usually gets a pass from the media? Not a lot of people are heavily critical of him. Uh, I just kind of think we know who Pete Carroll is, right? Like he's he's kind of happy, super energetic, doesn't really say anything, you know doesn't really tell you exactly what he thinks why do you bring that up I don't so understand. do you think that if Colin Kaepernick were to go to a team like the Seattle Seahawks with Pete Carroll as their head coach he will be sort of that buffer for Kaepernick I just think he'll be a backup quarterback and like look they already remember last year they wanted to protest 
the some of the you know the social ways to use mm-hmm. it. So instead of taking a knee, they decide to lock arms. But what? Yeah, but what I'm saying is like, do you think Pete Carroll is the right type of head coach to handle what could come with having Colin Kaepernick as your backup quarterback? I do from this perspective. Like he's handled, a, he's able to handle Russell uh, Richard Sherman. You know, who says things that I think are far more offensive to the coaching staff. It may may get him run out of town. Dan Dan Byer's a Seahawks fan. Well, also I would say this, they're a veteran team. So like if you were to put him on a younger team, I think there would be it would be difficult for the other players to handle. I think that there are enough veterans on that team where if they were asked questions about him that they would be able to to handle it. It's a weird team. Like R- Russell Wilson says all kinds of has said all kinds of crazy stuff he's kind of gotten a pass for, right? Like he had the magic water for a while. That cured him of concussions, sure. you know. Then he did the, you know, the God helped them beat the God helped them beat the Green Bay Packers, which ruffled some feathers. Then you have Richard Sherman telling the offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel what he can and can't run, and then they score on a pass, even though he said he shouldn't pass the ball around. It's like a weird. They're so outspoken that it becomes white noise. But look, I just think the big thing is the league has determined that he's a backup, and that he's a hard fit. And with that hard fit, he's got some issues in terms of corporate sponsors not wanting. Not one in the protest. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What did the Fox say? And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? I continue to believe we have the best sports lineup in uh, national sports radio history. That doesn't mean that I can't take shots at the takes of my colleagues, right? Nor they can take shots at, at my takes. Take a listen to what Colin Cowherd, the herd on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart app, had to say about uh, Kawhi Leonard going down and how it doesn't matter anyway. The better organization, the more capable that organization is of weathering the loss of a great employee. So Kawhi Leonard goes down yesterday, and all I hear is, well, I mean, if it was for Kawhi, no, actually, we have actual data on this. The Spurs are 8-1 and one this year without Kawhi. I don't want to hear Greg Popovich now. We can't win without. You are 8-1 and one this year without Kawhi. I'll give you a pass yesterday. It was destabilized. But you have shown an ability to win games and get here with all sorts of injuries. That sounds really good. But if you lose your starting point guard and you lose your best player, you're not beating anybody in the NBA playoffs. Like, uh, let's see, if you're such a great organization, you can. there's five players on a basketball floor. You lost two of your five best players. And you were at a talent dis- disparity to start even if you had all five of your best players. The, to me, the story of the day is the attrition or lack thereof attrition that I believe the Warriors will go through. And, like, look, it's no different than the Cavs. The Cavs were smartly able to get through their first couple series, and now they're going to get a team that's worn down from their seven-game series. But I also think that the Cavs would probably most like to play the Celtics because the Celtics play a very similar style, and yet there is a complete and utter mismatch in terms of size. Like I just I can't see the Celtics taking more than a game from the Cavs, whereas. Whereas the Wizards, I could see him taking two games, and I could see him, th- I could see him making it a little bit more difficult. I could can see the uh, a little bit more of the gradual reducing of strength or effectiveness through sustained attack or pressure. I really could. 
We lost the ability to have attrition on the Warriors. And maybe that's for the best. You want full-strength Warriors, full-strength Cavs. You want both teams to just get, get it done in four games, and let's get it on for seven games. Maybe that's what you want, but I think attrition is, has always been, just like injuries, attrition has always been kind of the untold story of the playoffs. Speaking of the Warriors, take a listen to what Clay Travis had to say in regards to uh, coaching in the NBA and what he would do if he was a coach. I am the average NBA fan. I represent him, right? If you put me on the sideline for the coach, coaching the games themselves, I think if I had coached 82 games on the sideline this year for the Warriors, I think that I would have won 64 games. The players basically coach themselves. So many NBA games, I would have the best talent in every game. I would take direction from Steve Kerr, who's injured right now. I think I could design plays in the context of most of the NBA is just about philosophy. Yeah, that's not even close to being true. (laughs) That's so far from being true, it's not really funny. Now, look, that doesn't mean that you couldn't have assistant coaches that drop the plays. Some coaches have that. Uh, but I would say the thing that there is more of in the NBA than anybody will ever know, there's more defense in the NBA and there's more coaching in the NBA than you could ever fathom because there's two to two and a half as many possessions in an NBA game as there's a college game. There's coaching on simply every possession between substitution pattern, coaching out of a timeout, coaching inbounds plays, coaching to try and find a mismatch. Yeah, there's actually a lot of coaching that, that goes on there. That's actually the opposite of the truth. Just the idea of, hey, I can drop some plays because it's more about philosophy. Like, let's get the ball to Kevin Durant. And let's everybody else get out of the way. Like, where do you want me to stand? Just, you kind of know where to stand. Yeah, that's not a... Can they coach? Can they police themselves? They can. But remember... All of these players were star players at some point in their lives. That's how they got to the NBA. So until you have somebody who makes sure you you have to find a way to manage the egos and to assign the roles without managing the egos and science that there's an art to it. That's the philosophy he's talking about. I agree with that. I understand that. But there's actually a lot of coaching that takes place in basketball. A lot. I mean, look, like Brady Hoke forever coached in college football without a headset. Like what exactly is, is he a philosopher? What is, what's going on there? That's what the Fox said. At bed, three, six, five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets. When you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare (laughs) 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.